the South Philly Bombers with five. Welcome back, everybody, to Speaking of Sports. High atop the Grimly Financial Studios. I'm Ray Scipione, along with the Wiz, Chad Grimley, and the Godfather, Chuck Grimley. We got a bunch in store for you today, including the devastating knee injury to Reese Hopkins, the Final Four, which is probably the final time you'll ever see these four teams there, the World Baseball Classic Championship, Otani blows away Trout. I'm losing my mind, Chuck, but do you know in the past, 15 seasons, 12 seasons, I'm sorry. Mike Trout has only 15 postseason at-bats with 6,000 total Major League at-bats. Only 15 postseason at-bats. Chuck, what's that mean? Well, if somebody said to you, uh, for modern times, the greatest baseball player, you know, modern baseball, is someone you're never going to get a chance to see Never play the most meaningful games, which are postseason baseball games. What would you say to that? That's my question. You give me the response to that. You're not going to see the guy. Best baseball player in the land. We can't see the guy. I, Chuck, what's, I mean, the fact that we don't see him, um, has Trout been passed by a few guys, Otani being one? I guess it didn't help that he got blown away with a 101-mile-an-hour fastball right down, you know, the center of the plate. Chad, talk to me. Is Trout been passed by a few guys? Well, that's a that's a loaded question, Ray. I would say right now that Otani is, is better than Trout. Maybe not just offensively, but because Otani can go out there and pitch and be lights out, I think Otani will have better value than Mike Trout out there. And when you talk about postseason batting and what Trout's only 15 at you know plate appearances keep in mind too that was all in one year that was 2014 it's been almost 10 years now Trout was 22 and he's I think he's 30 now and he hasn't been back to the postseason since imagine having Otani and Mike Trout on the same team and you don't make the playoffs it it borderlines to me and I and you've seen this I think in the NBA, when teams were about to stockpile, you know, the elite level players, I think the NBA stepped in at one point. I could be wrong, but it almost reeks of should Major League Baseball step in, you know, and say say to the Angels, listen, if we're going to put the two greatest assets from the standpoint of fan appeal, at least. Okay, two and one players. So the two greatest assets in Anaheim. We can't have. It. We just we have to disperse the town amongst the flock to enjoy it because sure. it, it can't be wasted year after year after year. The team is only looking at eighty-five wins this year. That's just insane. How how can they have eighty-five wins projected with that roster? Well, Otani will be a Met next year, so we'll all, you know we'll, we'll all get to enjoy him after this season. Um, and then you're always hearing these stories about Trout. Uh, I don't know, or or the Angels maybe cutting ties with him. God forbid something happens. I don't know. Trout Trout wants to go uh, hunting for the rest of his life. Is he a Hall of Famer? 
thousand. Listen, stop with that nonsense. My God, his roar right now is already past Hall of Fame, guys. Yeah. Okay. He's, so he's definitely he's got yeah, what? Let, let's, okay. Let, let's not lose our minds here. I mean, Trout. Uh, listen, the last two years he's he's missed a lot of games because of, of injuries. But there's a stat out there on Trout, which I just for all the time I spent it type with the in knee deep in, in stats. Um, that he had only swung and missed three times uh, in a strikeout like 15 or 50 times in his career. Some 24 that, times, Chuck, in 6,100. That, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it says you can't strike out the uh, trout that way anyway. But let's go back to the at bat. Uh, Otani throws him a absolute world class slider that starts it on his hands. I did the photo uh, review through three frames. Starts it on his on his hands, breaks to the heart of the plate, and ends up being a foot off the plate when it's caught. He can't hit that pitch, right? It's not hit. It's not hittable. Not in preseason because you know yeah. that's the other thing. The you know pitchers to me have the advantage over the hitters. You know, he's playing in the World Classic. He's not working out like he probably normally would be in spring training. I'm not making excuses. I mean, he got blown away. You think uh, oh, Tommy's taking some heat for not, no pun intended, for not staying with the heater. Uh, a lot of critics are saying, well, if you threw him to 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, you got to come back with the third one and challenge him, the ultimate challenge, you know, bring your best. Uh, instead, he went with the the slider would react to that no totally normal i i actually i think the strategic move i'm not giving mike trout a third fastball to swing to swing at especially when the other two were were right there for trout to hit they weren't great pitches they may be overwhelming but location wise they weren't thrown great locations one of them was almost right down the middle and and trout took a hefty swing and you could see the look on his face he just did a little nod after a little like all right bring it again here and, uh, you know, Otani was smart. He went with that just nasty slider that, after seeing a 102-mile-an-hour fastball, how are you going to hit a slider that's falling away from you like that at 88? Perfectly located. Perf- that slider was perfect. Did you guys hear what Otani said um, as he was talking to his team after the game, how they used to look up to the Americans. They wanted to be like the Americans, and now they have passed. The Americans, he said. It, it was incredible uh, you know, watching that. And you know who also, another guy who really caught baseball or you know by storm through the WBC was the Cardinals guy. I know Chuck talked about him last year, Lars Newtbar. Yeah. Who is now 24 years old. He's, you know, got a good, you know, good prospect there. And uh, he was a huge, huge name in, in the WBC. And I think his reaction when he came back to spring training was was pretty cool. Uh, the Cardinals gave him you know, real, all the fans and stuff down. They gave him a real, real nice welcome back. That, that's nice. Yeah, it, it, it was amazing. The two premier players, two yeah. teammates, the two guys that everyone has their jerseys on, and they face each other, and it ends up like that. And, and you know, Betts hits the ball right on the screws on the double play, and their shady position was fantastic. Yeah. I was yeah. surprised to see him that middle on Betts. Uh, he really goes the opposite way hard often. And off the bat, I'm thinking, oh, wow, we got first and third. And I look at the you know, position and bingo double play. 
uh, everything had to happen, you know, for Trout to be the, the last out. And uh, he, the way he was sweating, and uh, I wouldn't say hyperventilating, but you could see the deep pressure he was taking. Yeah. And you almost could feel the pressure. Sure. Oh, my God. Like, you know. So what's bigger, World Series at bat with everything on the line or the at bat we witnessed? World Series at bat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about the Phillies? Not only batting, uh, God, we had three Phillies in a row. They accounted for all the runs in the championship. And, and uh, hey, Schwarbs hit one way, way out, huh? He did. For all the criticism I give that guy, and he, I give him a heapy load, I got to tell you something. Yep. That at bat, he took on, he assumed, and refused to lose. That's mentality. right. And you got the feeling, you know, I don't know, pitch six, seven. He was not going to lose the at-bat, okay, which is really cool. You've seen him do that before, and he was just so locked in, fouling everything off that he needed to. And then once the mistake was made, oh, brother, the announcer says, oh, I think that took four and a half seconds to leave the park. Well, let me tell you, my man, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're not a crossing guard or a train engineer because that's not four and a half seconds. No. That thing was out in two seconds. Man. Oh, my God. The one, the one announcer said the pitch before, he said, you throw another pitch like that, you don't get it back. Yeah. Right on cue. I mean, he goes upper deck so yeah. quick, and the ball is still rising, and it's in the third deck and bounces 80 feet the opposite way. And the guy yeah, catches a, it with his bare hands. It's yeah, he's impressive. He is utterly impressive. Now, you know, he's going to strike out 200 times. You know, mm-hmm. he's a disaster. Worse, as bad as Luzinski in left field. But before we start to <laughs> tear the Phillies apart, let's open up with the uh, with the big talk about the Phillies. Uh, devastating. Devastating. I was watching it live. I sent it out instantaneously to my flock. And here's the irony. And I don't mean to pile on Hoskins and say it. If he fields the ball cleanly, if you have a little slide bar stop action on your phone, it's a routine hop that takes a perfect bounce. He's squared up. He's got the glove out. He's going to make the play 999 out of 1,000. He hits the heel and bounces out. As he tries to retrieve, he turns, takes a step, and then tries to turn right off the left leg. So it's a step out and a step right and then twist. And now, you know, people will say, oh, that was going to happen eventually. But not necessarily. It's unique to that particular twist. But if he doesn't make the error, he's still playing baseball. I mean, you know, what are the chances going to happen that way, right? Uh, and now, like he got shot, Chuck. Yeah, it did. Well, he knew. When he heard everything rip and pop, Right. He knows. And right. what he did, he just went down on his butt to protect himself. I mean, he, he knew right away. Oddly enough, gets up, kind of walks to the car, assists it, and then they report, yeah. you know, which I thought was sloppy, that he's walking around in the club now. So I put the, that out next, and I'm sure people like myself thought, oh, Hoskins is walking around the clubhouse. How bad can it be? That's, that's interesting. And with that type of devastating, catastrophic injury, you know, you can be walking around. It's just the pain itself. You right. Know, you know, begging for the pain meds, right? 
All right, so what's it do to the lineup construction? Let's dive in. Uh, Chad, how bad is it? Here's what it looks right now. Keep in mind, Harper's out. We got Trey Turner leading off. Kyle Schwarber in the two-hole. Looks like probably JT in the three-hole here. And the most likely four-hitter is probably going to be Derek Hall, who's going to be playing first base, replacing Hoskins. At that point, once we get past JT, every other OPS from there down is 750 or worse, with maybe the exception of Castellanos not knowing what to be your whole half. So again, top four, Turner, Schwarber, JT, Derek Hall. Five, Castellanos. Six, Bryson Stott. Seven, Alec Bohm. I could see Bohm being higher than, than Stott, yeah. but I don't know why this this uh, Roto champ has uh, Stott sixth. Eight, you've got Jake Covey. Uh, not a hitter at all. Doesn't belong in baseball. And number nine, Brandon Marsh. That probably makes a little sense there with his speed. He's you know a fine nine hitter, but again, there's just not a lot of hitters here. I mean, Marsh projected to hit 230, you know, Stott 246. Who knows what type of year we're going to get from Castellanos? I mean, there's a lot of of question marks on the second half of this lineup. Yeah. So to put a metric fence around it, 4.62 run uh, per per game last year. Yeah. Uh, no Harper's going to join us at a point. To start the season, guys, are we above or below last year's run production? Below. Yeah, I say below, even though uh, Castellanos can't hit any worse. Had three home runs in the spring, and maybe he turns it around. Stop today is not a major league hitter. I'm sorry. He got, again there. yesterday blown away like he wasn't even uh, seen a major league fastball. It looks ridiculous watching his yep. spring break. It looks ridiculous. Yep. This is how I quantify things. I take Segura. Hoskins uh, and Harper out, and I do the math. I did the math, and I add back to that replacement plus Turner, and you're not close. You're not close on war. You're not close. No, you're right. You're not. It's not close. the The only thing that could change this Phillies lineup this year are situations are situations like this. Kyle Schwarber doesn't hit in the low twos. He hits maybe two forty or something like that, and his OPS gets closer to you know the mid mid eight something like that. You have, you know, Derek Hall has a huge breakout year and does 70% of what Reese Hoskins can do. You, you know, Alec Bohm takes that extra 10 pounds and he has an OPS of 770 or higher and he starts to get power in his, in his game. Those are the situations that the Phillies really need, in my opinion, to get over that four, six runs per game they had last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to turn to Ray, but I, the, one, the, the one guy I'd circle, I can't circle... Derek Hall yet, although I look at his minor numbers of 30 doubles and 32 home runs, and he's done it a few times, and that's as dependable looking as anybody. Uh, I looked at Howard. I, I looked at everybody for the Phillies that came up and, and was a power hitter, and his numbers in the minors are better. So it gives you a little bit of pause. Why can't it be him, right? That's but right. The, the guy that I would circle as let's depend on him to do 25% better is bomb or 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 bomb bomb or bomb as Charlie calls him. Charlie calls him bomb. Who's going to hit a lot of bombs this year, Chuck? Yeah, Boa and Charlie have articulated his progress as unbelievable. Now I know I know they throw that around a little you know, randomly, but they both said as professional advisors that their observation is he's unbelievably changed. In, in spring, I've watched his at bats. 
and it does look like if you make a mistake, he will barrel punish you. You know, he's locked in. So I, I think that's the guy that could really put some numbers up, uh, Chad. I think he has to be the guy. I think it's more of a, 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 this is a year where Boehm has to be that next level because we so desperately need him until Harper comes back. But it could also be Hall. I mean, keep in mind, this guy in AAA last year, 100 games, 860 OPS. That's not bad at all. 28 28 homers, 24 doubles in 101 games. That's not bad. He goes to the MLB for 40 games, and he has an OPS of 804. If he makes a little improvement on the offseason, maybe he's up somewhere in the... You know, anywhere around 800 would be totally fine. It would be totally fine. So if the Phillies can get that from him. Chad, have you ever been barrel punished by Chuck? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> have you ever been barrel punished? <laughs> he, was a, he was a butter. He was my boy. My boy was a butter. I wrote, I wrote down barrel punished. I'm going to use that with the kids tonight. <laughs> Next time, uh, you know, they act up. Yeah, that's hilarious. But... I do see Hall. Uh, and I've been, you guys have been teasing me for a while now. I do see Derek Hall coming in uh, because why not? Like you said, you see, he's another Ryan Howard. Um, I, I think he's more than ready. And I think he's going to be the 25 to 30 home run guy that we need. Right, right. He had a phenomenal spring. I know. 294,000 OPS. In my opinion, this is a really bold statement. I, I honestly could see... Hall having a better war, being a more productive player than Reese Hoskins this year. It would not surprise me in the least for two reasons. His offense could be similar. He, I don't think he'll be at Hoskins level where he was last year with no PS wise, but right. I think his defense will be better enough versus where Hoskins was so bad on defense. As Chuck mentioned, unfortunately it was maybe a not-so-great defensive play that ended up maybe resulting in this injury. I didn't really think of that before until I really looked at the video again. But the point is, Hoskins is a huge liability defensively. If Hall goes out there and he does what he needs to do, and he's a solid first baseman, he could put up similar enough offensive numbers to be better than Hoskins. You know what, bud? That's a great... You could put that out there. Above or below, we love the over-under to make a point. And you put out uh, Hoskins' war last year, if you have it in front of you. I think he's about a, a 2-6, if I recall, which is diluted uh, by his... Uh, actually, his war deed last year may have been zero. because there negative. was. It, is it still negative? It was negative last year. What, was neg- what was the, it was negative 0. .4. 0. .4. Okay, yeah. He, he had years above that that were like minus two, but that was in left field, I think. But he's a, he wasn't good at first base. He said, yes, Hall can be better. Can Hall come up with 70 extra base hits and a 350 on base percentage? That's a big ask, man. And use up the pitches that, that Oscars did. Okay, well, hold on. It's, hold on. Let's break that okay. down. Here we go, right? You said you're only as good as your last two years. Hoskins hasn't been over 350 since 2020. Last year, 332. The year before that, 334. He's a 330 OBP guy now. So let's remember who Reese Hoskins is currently. Can Derek Call get to 330 on base? Maybe he gets to 320. Right. What am I going to learn, right? Not try to run that crap past that. (laughs) Well, it's a big difference. It's a big difference because last year, Hoskins was a 794 OPS. That's very doable. That's like top 50 in baseball. I don't know if Hall's a top 50 OPS guy yet, but he could get. 760, 770, no problem. Chuck, tell Chad why uh, 
we don't have to worry about Kingery. Uh, <laughs> I guess he's not starting. <laughs> he's not even on the roster. Well, that that is a colossal mistake. <laughs> that is a colossal mistake by the Phillies. In Kingery's spot, we have Jake Covey, who. Honestly, I cannot believe the guy is in baseball anymore. He is so bad. And he didn't. We thought do- his name was Cave. Cave, Cave. <laughs> but the thing is, like, why is this guy on, on the roster? He's not good. He had a good spring, sure. But he's 30 years old. He has no history of ever being good. Last year, he had 213. The year before that, he had 189. And he, he's made the roster, but not, whatever. You know, guys, let's not forget that there's more than just what players just accomplish in spring training as we know it's their business decisions there are contracts right there's future development that's now, right in that case bud that unlike Guthrie or whatever the other guy the other guy's name is I, I see that cat developing he's played all nine positions uh he's 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 lightly quick uh he's coming off with some great numbers in in the minors so I'm okay with that. Dal- yeah, You're talking about Dalton uh, Guthrie. Yeah, yeah. Now, on, on Kavi, who heretofore I've called Jake Cave, uh, I don't see what their thinking is. With the with the with his career numbers, his prior to, and yes, I do put emphasis, you, you know, what have you done lately? If you're coming off of, and I do a lot of statistical trend analysis, if you've got two priors that are bad, you damn well are not going to put up your number three 25% better. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. That's the trend. That is the trend. Put the spring numbers up of the play. Well, actually, you shouldn't. Of the players we released, and you probably rival the 27 Yankees. Funny you should ask Maton, 313-400. Okay? Moniac, your boy. 410, oh 435. 1100 OPS. There's another Burling. one, too. Burling, 300, 350. Last but not least, Ohapi, 281, 800. There's if another one. Up- There's another <laughs> one. Gene Segura. 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 What's Segura do? 324. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, the 27 Yankees. All the runs are in other ballparks, other cities, all our office. You know, part of that is. You, you didn't expect Nathan, and it doesn't, you know, listen, still spring. Let's not you know, get over our skis here. But Moniac, you know, number one draft pick for a reason, put on weight. They said two years ago he found his power. I think he had 13 triples and 28 of them. Chad's going to correct me. But he, he found his power swing. Uh, he was a young kid when he came in. So Moniac can stick. And Ahapi's always hit. Well, we knew that when we got rid of him, the guy was a prolific hitter. Verley, I happen to love. Uh, Mayton, not as much. But Segur, I mean, you know, Stott versus Segur's numbers, it may not be close, gentlemen. It may not be a fair fight. Chuck, is it an issue to play in Philly? Moniac, I'm speaking of. Is Is it a problem? Yeah. Would you look at enough of it? And it happens with pictures that leave here too. But when you look at enough of it, 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 Ray, they break it down in two facets, as you well know. It's it's drafting skill and what goes into that. And boy, is that ever complex. And then player development. And is that ever complex? What ideologies, philosophies are you teaching from the top down? St. Louis Cardinals, 
use pitches, go the opposite way. You can tell a cardinal batter with a blindfold, okay? Because you, you know the young kid's going to go the opposite way in a 3-2 pitch outside. They'll take it to right field, the cardinal way, Boston way because of the park, all right, with the pool tendencies. Sure. It's, it's like the Phillies haven't taught a philosophy that you look at the big leagues you can identify with, you know? But when these guys all go and seem to get better elsewhere, that's clearly reason to be concerned, but yet they have to do it in the major leagues now. You know, they're, they're not proven yet, so uh, the jury's out. Let's see how they do. But, yeah, you got to keep an eye on those four, aren't you? I mean, you know, Segur is a different deal. How much money were you going to give him when you right. have to get right. They, they, they knew they were going to put Stott to second base and get a shortstop. So I understand that. Um, now, do you think we're going to see um, who's going to play first other than Derek Hall? We're going to see the Baum come over to play some first base and put Sosa in the lineup? I don't mind that. I don't. I think Bohm's going to be mostly third. I, I did see an interview with him last week where he said most of his time was, was really at third. I mean, I could see it. Maybe maybe as the season goes on, they start to work him in a first a bit, but I, I think he's going to be mostly third. I agree mostly third, but I'm saying with a big, tough lefty on early in the season, you don't think... It's uh, a good point. Well, maybe not early in the season, rather later in the season, if Paul, if Paul shows that he cannot handle the lefties. I don't think they're going to wait that long, Ray. I don't think they... Okay. I don't think they make Paul try to demonstrate that he can have left-handed pitching. Not at all. I think they're looking forward getting their bench players and Sosa. I mean, if I had Sosa, I've raved about the guy every week. Oh, yeah, you're a big fan. Well, I mean, once again, his minor league body of work defies any concept that he can't hit. I mean, the guy is a six-year hitter in the minor leagues. You know, now, you know, last year, I know his Cardinals numbers were pathetic, very small sample size, but this guy can hit. He has quality at bat. And man, can he play defense and run? So I'm looking forward to getting Hall 400 bats. Well, there's no way he gets 400 bats if he doesn't play a lot of first base. So maybe it works out in the craziest of ways, right? Well, that's why. That's why it's important to get Sosa familiar as as many positions as possible. Because if the situation arises where Hall can't hit lefties, then you do have that option to move Bohm if he can handle first. Because Bohm last year, 350 against lefties. He had a 930 oh, yeah. OPS. The guy absolutely destroys lefties. So that's someone you could put to first if Sosa could handle third and just put Hall down the lineup, keep him you know, to come off the bench later in the game if that's what it ends up being where he can't hit lefties. Yeah, now let's talk about when Harper comes back. How improved does the lineup become? Do we go north of 4-6 then? I'm not sure. I think we'll be close. I think that's a... I think we'll be really close. I think I think with with Harper, this team's offense is going to be pretty close to last year's. Obviously, the addition's Trey Turner, but you just don't know what, what Castellanos is going to do. And, you know, again, you're losing Segura. You're not getting that back through Stott. So it's tough. I mean, is Schwarber going to put up how many homers? 50 homers last year? 40-something? Is he going to do that again? That's not easy to do either. So you could be having just a down year from him just naturally. Well, um, how long is it going to take? Harper to get back. Clearly, he's only going to be a DH. I mean, we're fortunate to have the DH because I don't. I think he'd be out a lot longer. So when they say he's back, yeah, he's back as a DH, but I doubt he'll be close as an outfielder for quite some time. 
What do you think, Chad? No, I think he'll be DH too. But I think we have to keep in mind that Harper, again, last year had a very much a down year to where he's been. It was only 99 games. And now, right. look, this isn't bad by any any means, an 877 OPS, but that's down from him for his career where he's 900 plus. I don't know what the guys five below all do. I mean, they're spring training. If you take, let's see if I can rattle these names off. I think it's Marsh, Scott, uh, Baum, and uh, I'm forgetting one. And if you put them together, they were 213 for all the uh, Castellanos. If you put them together, they were 213 for spring. That is, that's not good, right? No. <laughs> I don't care what spring is. That's not good, you know? <laughs> me, me and Chad talked to, talked to Charlie Manuel about uh, Castellanos. <laughs> What was he hitting, Chad? Oh, 70? What was he hitting? He was hitting under 100. He was hitting under 100 at that time. Let me see where where Nick finished the spring. It looks like for the spring he finished at 224. So he must have really uh, had a good uh, good two weeks. He did have three home runs. He hit one yesterday. His yep. last 20 at-bats were better than the first. You know, the yeah. I'm just but, tired of hearing how hard these guys are working. I also watched Noah get Absolutely lit up. And we got the problem here, Chuck. You used to see the Yankees at bats, I think it was Saturday. I'm watching the game. Uh, most spring training games are already been called, right? It's like background noise. The Yankees are barreling, right? Yeah. Every at bat, I text Boa. It's a long time since I've seen this. Then he, the outs were barreled. They had 12 hits by the fourth inning. They were just annihilating everything the Phillies threw. I and, mean, home runs. And he's bitching sense. about his contract, Chuck. That's the other thing. Yeah, but it was the same day they announced it. The, yeah, yeah, the contract with Noel is wait until the offseason where he's going to be a free agent. We'll try. Maybe the Phillies will get him get him then, but they did not get him now. Are you nope. worried then about Wheeler and Ranola with their spring performance? I mean, Wheeler, 10.2 innings pitched, 11 runs given up. How about that? And Nola, 13 innings pitched and four, 10, 10 earned runs given up. So 6.75 ERA for Nola. And Wheeler's up way up there, too, at a, at a let's see, 9.28 ERA. Chuck, yeah. just our luck. We'll have the worst starting pitching with the best bullpen. We'll have to play Little League ball and have everyone throw an inning. Right. It's like they do in spring training. Yeah. I'm not as yeah, worried about Wheeler. Uh, these guys aren't fully stretched out yet because you see the quantum leap. I measure these guys from spring to the first game. I go back and look at their spring numbers every year. Like, gee, why wasn't this guy doing this in his last spring start? Now, some do. I'll show you examples from Sunday where starters won five innings, gave up two hits, struck out eight. Some do. But I commonly see a rough, last two outings in spring and 40s pitch with two hits and six strikeouts in the first major league game. I just don't think they're willing to really, really stretch it out uh, until they have to because they know they're on a pitch limit once the season starts and and that's it. They're not going to go beyond 60, you know, so they can judge accordingly. So I, I just think they're so worried about getting hurt and stuff like that. The elbow isn't ready. I just think they wait until it really matters. It just seems to be a trend of that, you know. But offensively, it's different. What I have not seen a lot of, 
I mean, I can't quantify it down to the exact percentage. But I will say this, as, as someone who's a freak about data, I have not seen a plethora of, of guys who have struggled mightily in the spring and come out and torn it up from the opening of baseball. I have not seen more than a handful of those examples. So people say, oh, spring trading is absolutely nothing. I can show you 20 correlations that are absolutely stark and show you it does. But I, you won't find too many guys struggling. So what I'm saying here, you know, what, what's the subliminal point is the four guys that we just circled, uh, they didn't hit at all in the spring. I don't expect them to when the season starts. I just don't. So, you know, if Castellanos or, or Stodd or Paul are going to surprise us, Marsh, God bless you, but I don't think so. And that's well, a lot of the offense. You know? I think Castellanos, like like we said, he, he can't cannot be any worse. Um, and I got to say one thing about Marsh, I, I, and, I, and I may be the only one because everybody loves him. He's young. I, I do not like this guy one bit. I, I don't see him making a uh, giant uh, leap. I think what you saw last year is what you're going to get. And I'd like to shave that damn beard off his face every time I see him, but that's, that's, that's just my take. Well, Marsh is another guy who just didn't perform in spring. He hit 200. There you go. Where's the improvement? Right now it's, it's not there. So again, again, anything can happen. These guys can have good seasons, but where's the, where's the excitement for Brandon Marsh going into the season? People talk about this guy like he's a like he's a great defender, and we already proved he's a, he was very solid in left field and in center field. He's not so solid at all. But Boy, did he ever live up to our numbers? Did he ever walk right in the shoes of our forecast? You know, it's funny when you say something that bold, especially to Larry Boa, and he got the reaction he did, which we'll never forget. The the shot heard around the world, right? Thank God we recovered from that. But when you say that you're instantly out on that proverbial limb, okay? I mean, we said he cannot play center field. The next night, he has two misplays in center field. I almost said, see, to Boa, and I did, I did not do that. But we would have him if I had done that. But I did send it to Chad, and thumbs up. And he just does not play great center field, just like we said. So you're stuck with that, too, defensively. So now your outfield is a guy that can't play center field. Uh, a guy is better, if not worse, than Zuzinski in left. And Castellanos in right. That's horrible. I mean, I mean, last year in, in center field, Marsh's total RTOT, which is a measurement of defense, was negative seven. And the short version is, that's not good. In left field, he was plus, <laughs> he was plus six. Again, short version, that's very good. So this guy is proven. I don't know why you can be great in left and not great in center. I mean, I guess you're running further. The angles, maybe you're just not comfortable there yet. With I me, mean, he was maybe Trout scared the hell out of him being watching Trout in center. I don't know, but he point is he hasn't been a great center fielder. There's just, there's no other way to say that. But the Phillies believe and look at the radio. They all say this guy's a great center fielder. Boa said it last week. He did. But. I'm going to give you an answer to the center versus left, and I think you know the answer, but I'm going to give you a metaphor to answer the question, okay? Who's your greatest ally when you play left field? 
Well, you got the center fielder helping you out. Now there's two allies in left field. You got third. I would say third and short. If you're if you're coming in on something, they may get there. The foul line. The foul line. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And the field fence, bud. Got me. I got you. Shorter fence. Yeah. Foul yeah. line. Now go to now go to center, and you can run a hundred feet each way and go back in. There's your problem. Yeah, you got the gaps. You deeper fence. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so three hundred and thirty foot fence. You could play up because yeah, yeah play it's up. over your head. It's gone. It's gone. It's a double. You play it off the wall. Yeah, right. yeah. Good point. You know, right? Exactly. You see a lot of center fielders make great Willie Mays like over the shoulder and dead run and catch it. You don't see any left fielders do that. Why? It's like girls softball. Too quick. It's over your head, bounces off the wall, then you lob it in because the guy's got to stand up double. Nobody plays it off the wall and throws a guy out second. You know, yeah. what, very wow. true. So Mark Madness, here we go. What does nine, five, five, and four mean? Well, those are all the those are all the seeds of your final four. Florida Atlantic number nine. My favorite school I was supposed to go to, San Diego State University, number five. We got Miami five seed, another five seed, and Yukon. The girls got knocked out, but the boys are still in as a four seed. And there's your final four, Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State, Miami versus UConn. Okay, I'm, I'm excited for it. It is the first time in NCAA history where the best seed remaining in the final four is a four seed. Wow. And that's UConn. The previous record, because ESPN will tell you that first sentence, they won't tell you the rest. The previous record was 2011 when the best team remaining was three-seed UConn, who won the tournament that year, led by four, future four-time NBA All-Star Kemba Walker. Nice. Yeah. And well, that's why you're to win, close, and they're not. And if they don't close St. Anthony's down, Danny Hurley's taking over for his dad at a high school, and look where he's at now. He's at UConn. Unbelievable. Okay. And he had no aspirations for that whatsoever, you know, because his dad became a you know, national celebrity of basketball at least yeah and that was hot. that was the bar was set high enough for him but uh i was riveted on his dad coming down to the court for the celebration after the game and the seriousness between the two or you know me i'd have been flocking and crying oh right, right. we were here where are the balloons you know and the dad was coming down he was like analytical talking to him you know it's like these exact comments and questions you know it was, it was too funny but should the foul have been called uh, it, the controversy of two? I got two takeaways. I wanted to see Princeton in the Final Four just because you didn't have the normal hierarchy and pedigree that you typically do. You know, March Madness you know, lived up to, to this caption. Do you realize, and they didn't play well at all, but if Princeton had found a way to win that game, there's a very good chance could have won yesterday's game and in the Final Four. Did you guys think about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they they were winning that that game against Creighton at one point in the first half, and they you know they kept it close for a while in the second half, but Creighton just overpowered them. Let's discuss the eight uh, hundred pound elephant in the room. Yep, the phantom foul. I watched it over and over, Chuck. After uh, you told me to prepare, which I have, we we have uh, Creighton's Ryan Neblard. Listen to these names, Ryan Neblard. Okay had his hand on Trammell's right hip, and he did. Now, he did, he did not uh, touch his hand or arm jumping up. However, 
as the announcer said, if you have your hand on the right hip, you can technically, um, you know, change the trajectory of the ball as as you're shooting. So, you know, was it a, um, I don't think it was a phantom foul because we clearly see his, 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 uh, uh, Ryan's right, uh, left hand is right on the right hip. So what, what do you think? Well, put the game of fish. First of all, I'm never making that call. I want these guys to go to overtime unless somebody hits them over the head with an axe, okay? <laughs> I, I, I mean, if it's two big 6'11", and the one guy goes up and he, and he gets hit a little bit trying to make a dunk, and it, but it was as much block as there was hand, I'm not calling that either. Now, if the shooter has his wrist hit shooting, automatic, obviously automatic, okay? Or is thrown out of his cage level automatic if this is so ticky tack that we have to look at the replay to see how much of his hip that he has they, they, players play off hips all day long guided i'm going to put my hand out on your on your hip to defend you all right so i have leverage of balance that's not called so hands on hips happen all the time here's my point if the game played in the 50s then obviously it was a tight game not wide open so if they have not been calling that foul the whole game, that type of foul, I don't call it there. Let this son of a gun game go by and decide in five minutes. I thought it was criminal. I, I was like, oh, my God. You got Wait, it. Chuck, do you call it earlier in the game but not later? I mean, come on. Hey, but, I mean, a foul's buddy, a foul, right? Listen, my buddy Mike's been a high school official for, you know, I'll say 50 years. I think it's been 30. Uh, is a great high school official and lets kids play. And, I, you know, I, I, that's his style. I love it. it it's not going to let me compromise another player. It's going to let the kids play. Let the kids play, for heaven's sake. Who, what is more discouraging in basketball when you only have five pieces of that and one or two of them is in foul trouble in the first half? And they can't play at 100% throttle the second half. The game is almost like instantly over at that point. I hate foul trouble. I hate foul trouble. Now, if there's some guy out there hatchet knocking people off their feet, you know, that's different. But, I mean, a lot of times these are fouls of uh, aggressiveness where they're trying to make a great play. Right. And there's some, some type of, you know, interference, whatever. But I would let that go. I would let that go. But I'd certainly let it go with the game on the line in the final four. I just I don't want to deny the kids or something. I, I you know what, Chuck? I agree with you there. Um, I was trying to play devil's advocate, but I get it. I know. Yeah. The the I'll tell you what I hate worse is when I see these guys barely get touched and they dive on the ground. I'd rather I'd like to see those guys get uh, the flop. <laughs> I like to, I like to see them get tossed, but. At least get a warning. I mean, that, that's just awful. Because now you're trying to, like, fake out the official, you know, and make it look worse. And some of them guys are good. You know yeah. some of those guys at least in the NBA get the call all the time. But, but did you see the play? I did see the play. I wasn't a fan of the foul call. Didn't didn't want that to happen. I'd rather see the game, you know, go down to overtime. They're playing hard those guys, I don't. I just like you said. I don't want to see a game end that way unless I really feel like it's a justified foul. And that one seemed like it was just two guys playing really hard. It's a shame he, he reached his hand up the left hip there. I don't know how much it it really impacted the shot. 
which obviously ended up you know missing. But you know it is what it is. And then there was a lot of controversy right after that on the inbound play. They put in the former high school quarterback to to launch it, and launch it he did. It was a beautiful toss down court, maybe a couple inches too high. A um, little hard to tell who went out of bounds on, but it didn't end up mattering because the ref said that the timer ran out after it touched the hands because they said that the clock we could all see on TV wasn't started accurately at the right time. So when they didn't replay, that's when they said it was it was actually still no time remaining. Again, that's yeah. it's not much we can do about it. It's a really tough way, you know, to see how see a game end like that for you know teams playing that hard. Yeah, but you know, hats off to these teams that are still alive. Hats off to Princeton. Forget this. Absolutely, I would be out of my mind today. I would get a hotel room in Princeton for the week if they were in the Final Four. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I I just can't imagine what that would be like if they were in the Final Four. I think. I think Connecticut's going to win it easy at this point. I really do. As, as you say that, Connecticut, the only team to be in the Final Four, and then you have three that were never-evers. In there. Yeah, yeah. Three never-evers and one that's been in the Final Four that, that's won the tournament. You really think that UConn just coasts from here? I think they win the final game by eight or more. Which is Really? Tough. Yeah, and I think they maintain that throughout the game. Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, the, the, listen, they play the biggies, okay? Talk about finishing school, okay? The biggies, right? So there's there's no night off. You're playing, you know, St. John's at the, the Garden and stuff like that. There's just there's no night off. So uh, and they lost a, a bunch of one and three point games in the regular season, where their record would have been like you know thirty two and three. Uh, but they lost a lot of close games at a stretch in January. Um, they just they didn't look as good as they really are. They got everybody back healthy. Then Hurley, hey, talk about pedigree. You know, all you have to say is Hurley, right? So, right. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's that's my pick. I'm not saying they'll be an eight or ten point favorite in, in a championship game. That they won't be. Um, but they're going to be playing uh, one of the seeds again, bud, left. The seeds remaining. Well, let me pull back up here. It's a five, a five. Yeah, four, five, five, nine. That's what you got. And uh, Miami beat a good Texas team, right? Um, yeah, it, the, yeah, the line certainly won't be anywhere so, close. Yeah. So. In the Elite Eight, we had Miami over Texas. We had uh, San Diego State over Creighton. UConn over Gonzaga. And Florida Atlantic over K State, Kansas State. Yeah. Well, will anybody be watching now that we don't have the high pedigree teams in there in the in the, in the final four, the final two? What will the TV ratings be if it's Connecticut versus the other side of the bracket? Is that yeah? They'll be down. They'll be down. Well, I think we'll be down. But I'll tell you this: I think the Florida Florida Atlantic San Diego State game. Listen, everyone wants to watch the little guy. Every year this happens. Uh, I, I, I could be watched by 12 people. Well, <laughs> you, you may be right, but hey, you know, Florida Atlantic, some, there's so many Florida people hey, don't even know where Florida Atlantic is. Clear, um, clear, clear calendar for Thursday night, man. You got to, don't miss the Florida Atlantic game. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. But uh, I guess we could thank the portal for all this, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they wanted to see uh, balance. 
in football and, and basketball. Uh, and they're getting it. They're getting it. And listen, the same thing's going to be happening, as we said last week. In fo- it is happening in college football. You know, your, your schools down south are no longer dominating. Um, your Bama and your Georgia continue to because of the money and everything else that goes with it, prestige, players want to play. If you play for Alabama, you're going to play in the pros, right? Right, absolutely. If you're good at Alabama, you're going to play in the pros. You're going to make $100 million. So, you know, that's that. But uh, are we ranting and raving yet, bud? It's time to rant or rave. I will start because I've skipped and I have a a rant and a half this week. And it's tough because there's a lot of things to look at the Phillies, the rosters, whatever. My rant is Lamar Jackson this week. For the guy who apparently, as it's rumored, turned down something along the lines of a $130 million guaranteed contract that would get him up the $200 million guaranteed if he's still on the roster in a couple years from now. He turned that down, is now requested as of an hour ago, apparently, a trade from the Baltimore Ravens, which we'll see what happens there. But... The guy's offered at least $130 million guaranteed and running around with no agent, so he's getting probably 3% more. And here we are with him not signed. We don't know where he's going and what is he doing to the future of the NFL quarterbacks. I, I don't know, but I think he's out of his mind not thinking thinking he's worth more than this. I mean, last year, look at his numbers. They weren't good. His His quarterback rating was 15th. He still played 12 games last year. They were very, very average, and this guy isn't is displeased with 130 million dollars guaranteed, which goes up the 200 million dollars guaranteed. Lamar Jackson is my rant of the week. Woo-hoo! Yeah, all right, I'm gonna I'll go two, and I've got like one of my combined deals. You know, I can't rant completely on the Monday eve of Major League Baseball. I wake up today, and you know, on Christmas you feel it. I have Thanksgiving, I think you feel the day. There's a certain day. I feel Sunday. You feel the day. You feel the day. I woke up today, and my first thought at 5.30 was, wow, baseball returns this week. And I can't tell you, as an old-school baseball guy, you know, in the blood, my dad, my granddad, his, his father, I can't tell you how excited I am uh, that baseball's back. It, it's always going to be, it always has been, your honor, the national pastime, and not to be tempered, screwed with, or even considered as anything but. Baseball gives it to you for six and a half months every single day. There's no once a week. There's no teams play on the road five games like the NBA. So they're taking a night off. And the coach comes out and says, we didn't try tonight. It's an off game for us. You know how we mailed this one in. Baseball, they do it 162 times. And they, they, they suit it up and they go. And, uh, yeah, you don't see 32 runs. If you want that, look at slow pitch softball. But the games in spring have all been two hours and 30 minutes, every one of them. There's only been a handful of three-hour games. There's been a lot, guys, inside two hours. Unbelievable. Four, three game Thursday, it was an hour and 56 minutes. I mean, the, the long game is that ship sailed, gone. So I'm just looking forward to baseball so much. I love it. I love the start. And I'm so excited about baseball. I totally forget what my rant was. Go ahead, Raymond. Take me out to the ball. Okay, Chuck, will you take me, please? 
Right. Baseball starting this Thursday, opening day. Can't wait to see our Phillies. But three quick things. I've always said this, Reese Hoskins. I mean, it, it looked like a routine ground ball. What are these guys doing to their bodies? Did you ever see Larry Boa, Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt dive in? And these guys never got hurt. How could these guys get hurt just turning around? I, I don't understand it. I don't know what they're, they're putting in their bodies. Um, uh, two other quick things. I just want to congratulate Penn State's quarterback, Trace McSorley. Married Casey Morano, very dear friend of, of mine. Uh, so congratulations there. Uh, so Trace will be around the Hamilton area, this uh, awful town that Chuck likes to tease me about. Uh, <laughs> and finally, yes, our Phillies are going back to the World Series. I said it last year. Um you know, you guys almost had me doubting the Phillies this year, but I'm not. I'm not, and and we're we're gonna see starting this week. Our fighting Phils are gonna be on fire, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa! What did you say last year? I said that the Phillies would not make the playoffs oh, last year, the playoffs. but they would make the world. They would make the World Series this year. Oh, okay. so I'm, I'm sticking to that. So yeah. And by the way, Bud, uh, Lamar uh, Jackson just issued a statement that I'll summarize for you. He's saying, uh, I got to do what's best for my family. So there you go. Yeah, there I'm sure go. there's such a difference in $200 million guaranteed for your family or $230 million guaranteed. What a difference of quality of life. Hey, give me a break. <laughs> Lamar, give me a break. Yeah, the guy misses 33% of the season. Yeah, go do his best for your family. You can't spend the money if you tried, but go do what's best for your family for your playing 60% of the season. All right. Look, let me, let me close with this to everyone out there. If you're listening to this and it's either two, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, that means you are part of, I know, at least 100 people that get this episode within 48 hours of it coming out. So I'm asking all of you now, to give us a like on whatever it is, probably an Apple podcast. Give us a rating. If you can, give us a sentence or two to review. It really helps us out. We got like 50 or so reviews on there, but I know we got way more listeners than that in the first 48 hours. So if you're listening to it at this point, please take 30 seconds. Give us that star rating, whatever it is. Hopefully five-star. Drop us a comment or two. It's going to help the show out a lot. 609-828-5569. And is that a wrap, boys? That's a wrap. Last last but not least, last but not least, check us out on social media. Speaking of sports, wherever, wherever you're looking, you'll find some clips there in audio. And we will see you next week.